Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- I a bachelor. Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc., You don't know what to expect, but now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies, and now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and (laughs) my, um, (laughs) which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, Me Undies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies. Comfort 
from the outside in. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. Pauline, stop playing games. No, I'm not playing Tell games. Tell me how you feel. I just... Say it. Say it. No, I just... Say it, say it, say it, say it. No, no, no. Say it. I just, um... Say it. Right now... No. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and we are back after our holiday break. We hope everybody out there had a great one, a great New Year's Eve. A great Christmas Eve if you celebrate it. Whatever you're doing over the past couple of weeks, we hope it was good with family and friends and uh, whatever else brought you holiday cheer. If your only holiday was Pitmas, we're glad you celebrated that as well. Uh, <laughs> just a reminder, we've got uh, beanies available, gore beanies, on our site, gameofroses.co now. And we also have added the back catalog for Game of Roses to our Patreon. So if you are a Patreon subscriber, you can now go back through the history of the pit, of Game of Roses, of Hannah Brown, Pilot P, etc. Those were the good old days before we knew anything really about the structure of the game and we were just kind of figuring it out. So innocent. So innocent. Now there is no more innocence. It is just the darkness of the pit that consumes our very identities and as you know, we are going to be breaking down today for you two episodes of Love is Blind here in the offseason of Bachelor. we got episode 9 and 10. We've only got two more episodes left. That recap will be out next week. And then we're into the rookies of Bachelor season 27. Zach Shawcross, we're going to go through all of their social media and break down who we think is going to make it to the top four and all that kind of stuff and start the machine up again for what I believe is the most historic season of Bachelor to have ever taken place because a lot rides on this season. I think we can all feel it. The nation needs this one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I watched a video of Zach Shalcross struggling with a poncho earlier today, and I would say that got me both excited and terrified for what we're about to encounter next season. Perfect. You know what I saw that made me both excited and terrified over the course of this holiday season was an image. What? of the Pruitt family all in matching pajamas. I know we're talking about Love is Blind, but... Wait, that was real? Oh, yeah. Ooh, I didn't see that. There's a lot of interesting social media that happened within the Pruitt-Trout family mixture over the holidays. Highly recommend going back and looking through all of their social media for the past couple of weeks. You will be uh, moved in one way or another, I think. It's impossible to look (laughs) at these images and not feel something. (laughs) I am terrified. (laughs) (laughs) It's terrifying. I think that's why you're terrified. Do we all have to get the pajamas to join the ministry? Uh, Probably. It's probably going to be something like that. But we wish everyone, including the Pruitts, a happy and healthy 2023. And now, Pace Case, let's do what we came here to do. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game, This is Game of Roses. The title of this episode is The Last Supper. Oh, what is that in reference to? The Last Supper? I guess that they're all doing their last dates. Yeah, I suppose so. But then it was like some of them weren't 
their last, some of them had multiple. So like this first one is with the parents. Let's just get this out of the way right now before we even get into frame one of this document. This is where Love is Blind breaks down. This segment of the season is where it just falls completely apart. There is no drama. Any of the drama that it does have is completely manufactured. We are watching several different couples essentially go to either accept a, a marriage or not. Who gives a fuck? None of them are invested in each other's stories. This is where the, the structure of this game, for me, falls apart. And as we go through it, I'll have some suggestions about how they could spruce it up a little bit. But, oh, uh, <laughs> they're so lucky. <laughs> Getting some clues, suggestions. Let me tell you how to make a hit show, okay? Five days until the weddings. We see the Chiron. The countdown is almost at zero. And we see Nancy and Bartise, and they go to a jewelry store where they get what Bartise calls permanent bracelets. I thought they were going to weld these into their bodies or something. I was oh, very Jesus. confused. Like melt them into their flesh? Yeah. That's what they should have done. Like, what's a permanent bracelet? Instead, they just kind of solder a little uh, loop onto it. But this is after Bartise tells Nancy that he wants to get tattoos of all the women in his life. But not today. Today, they're just going to have these metal chains soldered onto their wrists for all time. And uh, we then go to the titles and we cut back out to Alexa's dad's house. She's there with Brennan, her dad, and Barry, her grandfather. Brennan is there to learn about being Jewish. They start with talking about a yarmulke. They joke about needing Velcro for it. Barry reminds Brennan that no matter what you do, your kids are going to be Jewish because Alexa is Jewish. Brennan says he's not well-versed in any religion. And Barry holds his phone up and says, you can ask Google what it means to be Jewish. That fucking grandpa gold. Barry killed it in this scene, asking Siri to tell him how to be Jewish. And we get a lot of explanations of the Jewish ceremonies, the chuppahs, the ark you get married under, the four posts signify home, the breaking of the glass, the veil over the face for inner beauty, etc. And I was like, we're, I am really enjoying these portions where they're really diving into the culture yes. and I'm learning things that yes. I didn't know. This is... The difference between our beloved game, The Bachelor, and shows like Love is Blind, these more contemporary dating reality formats. Just think back, if you will, to the beginning of the Mesnian era. Season 13, The Bachelor was Jason Mesnick. He was the first Jewish Bachelor. Now, we know because of podcasts and articles and everything else that they shot a lot of traditional Jewish marriage ceremony stuff and cultural things. And then they opted to cut it all out of that season to completely remove his Jewish identity from season 13. He's the bachelor. He's the lead of the show. You want to lean heavily into whatever the identity of the bachelor is. They opt not to do it because why? My belief is because it is not Christian. And as we know, the, the bachelor very much promotes Christian culture and nothing else. Here, though, we see Love is Blind has no problem sitting you right down, showing you all these things, letting Jewish people explain it to you. It's very well executed. And by the way, as we see later in the show, and as we have seen previously in the show, they also allow Christian players to do this. You don't have to make it one or the other. You can have it all. And I think this is a lesson that The Bachelor could very easily learn. I don't know if they would uh, you know, ever do anything as a result of it, it seems like they've loosened up a little bit around conversations about religion and stuff. My memory goes back to the Ivan Hall, Tasha Adams conversation. 
this to me was striking. And and all I could think about was Jason Mesnick. If he's sitting at home watching this, what must he think? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think we're going to get a deep look at Zach Shawcross's religion? Yeah, Christianity. I believe so. Then we go to Zeneb and Cole. They're taking dance lessons from Alex. This is a man in a three-piece suit, hair slicked back. He understands what it means to be a bystander, and he almost got my Jorge Moreno. There were some other Jorge Morenos that happened a little bit later, but this man came to play. Alex, the dance instructor who really wants to know Zeneb and Cole's vision for their first dance, which Zenev says she wants to be fun and romantic, and then the dance instructor adjusts it to their level and desire was my Jorge 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 Moreno bystander of the week. There were a lot of good bystanders this episode, and I think I know what your bystander is going to be. <laughs> But yep. I just I just want to give it up for this dance instructor. He really popped and, he, you know, he got a lot of screen time. This is what my note on him was. This motherfucker is in control. He is dressed to impress, hair done right. He knew he was going to have a limited amount of screen time and he made the fucking most of it. <laughs> he did. <laughs> Truly did. That's all you can ask for. Uh we see them learning to dance. Not much going on here. Cole pretends to be the MC, welcoming them in. Cole is really, it's, it doesn't always hit, but he is always performing. And Zeneb brings up her PTC. Dancing with you makes me think of not having a father-daughter dance. and makes me sad. And she produces tears. He gives her the jacket. He says, I'm using your, she says, I'm using your jacket for snot and tears. What you're signing up for. And he says, wipe everything on it. I'm sorry. Hopefully I'll make it special. I'm mad about you. Love level one. <laughs> Zenim says, the last few days have made it easy to imagine a wedding day. Something to celebrate now instead of to miss. And Cole says, I'm still an easy yes. Don't lie to me, crazy. And he pins her down in her chair. And their body language is super interesting in this scene. <laughs> Everything they do is super interesting to me. I never really understand what the fuck is going on in this relationship. Yeah. <laughs> do they hate each other? Does one of them hate the other one? I, don't know. They, I have no fucking idea what's going on in it. But I will say this. This scene basically sets the tone for everything that's going to be in the rest of this episode, which is these couples having conversations about nothing. They are meant to give us some idea that, oh shit, maybe they won't get married. Maybe there is some big fight they're having. There's some problem. Mm -hmm. None of it is true ever. They're all at least going to go to the altar. It's This is, again, where this show falls the fuck apart, in my opinion. There's no drama in any of this shit. We're watching them get bracelets soldered on their wrists. I mean, don't you think there's a drama to like are we going to break up or are we going to get married? I feel like that tension runs through the whole thing. But it, it wears thin. It's like diminishing returns when you make them have that conversation every fucking scene. And, right. and make no mistake, the producers force them into these conversations. When they're sitting down and she's like, is it still an easy yes for you? It's still an easy yes for me. The producers are saying, sit down and talk about if you still want to get married or not. They're forcing them into all of this. And it, it doesn't work, in my opinion. This is when 
I start checking out of the fucking show. I just don't care. It's like, are they going to get married or not? I don't need to see three more conversations where somebody's getting pissed at somebody for miscooking a Brussels sprout or whatever. We'll get to it. Anyway. <laughs> oh, God, that scene. Uh, we then see Colleen and Matt at their home. They are welcoming in Colleen's parents and her mom comes to the door, makes Full aperture, 100% with her mouth upon seeing Colleen, which I really appreciated. It was my runner-up for face play of the game. And they have drinks prepared for the parents already. Colleen brings up one of her catchphrases, I was single as a Pringle. And the dad reveals that they've never met a boyfriend of Colleen's. And they kind of make it sound like Colleen has not discussed a lot of emotions with them in general. And Maureen even says, hey, Colleen's lack of depth, not our fault. We're deep people. Not we feel deep things. We have good conversations. <laughs> we talk about books and movies. <laughs> I've never seen a parent just fucking shit on their child in front of the person they're dating so hardcore. I love that from Maureen. But this is also a problem with this uh, show, I think, is that like, what is going on here? Here's a meeting of the parents. This is a, a hometown essentially happening, but the other people aren't doing hometowns now. It's all kind of disjointed. Yeah. There, It's not a very, like, uh, clearly presented structure, this game. It's just kind of haphazard, it feels like. That's why I'm like, it's called The Last Supper, so shouldn't it be their last dates? But they're adding in, like, the end portion of Colleen's meeting in the family and, yeah. like, kind of looking at sparklers with Bartise. Th things to weld into your body. <laughs> Again, it's just like they don't... I think the producers don't quite know what this show is yet. They have this incredible premise. We're going to make people fall in love without seeing each other. Then they have some structural pieces that work very well. Now they get to see each other. Now they get to see the other people that they might have wound up with when all the couples meet. That's an interesting structural mm -hmm. piece. The Forgotten. The Forgotten, yes. The Forgotten is kind of an interesting structural piece. But then once you get out of that where all the couples are together and you're kind of just like living your day-to-day, -day, it's very hard to keep the drama going. And I think that that's what we see in this. But Yeah, I think they need a... What do you do? A conveyor belt of exes? Bring them in. <laughs> More strippers. Or I think you give somebody a chance to go back into the pods if they want. I think you give somebody a chance to do the switcheroo mm. we've talked about. There's a bunch of shit that you could do to really amp it up, I feel like. I just don't know like what I'm watching or caring about in these kind of like episodes leading into the weddings. But nonetheless, we see here that uh, Maureen likes Matt and she can see that he cares about her. I consider this a glow. And Matt yeah. ITMs that he would have met the parents earlier. Completely different, but that's not in quotes the name of the game. This is open gameplay speech here from Matt. He goes to, in quotes, use the restroom. That's code for producers forced him out of the scene so Colleen could have one-on-one -on -one time with her parents. And Maureen tells Colleen that she approves. He's very cute, seems into her. Richard says the most important thing in life is that he's going to take care of you and respect you. And Maureen asks Colleen what her concerns are. And she explains that they went through several hurdles but came back stronger. And mom thinks uh, it might be superficial arguments. But Colleen says no. It's more about them. She admits that uh, she's heard more tonight about Maureen admits that she's heard more tonight about Colleen's feelings than she ever has. And Colleen admits that the pressure of marriage gets to Matt sometimes and she worries about uh, that he might not be there when shit hits the fan. And Richard tells her, uh, you might not always get along, but you want somebody who's going to be there for you. 
And Maureen says she respects Colleen's decisions either way, but it is marriage. That's serious. And you can't enter into it lightly. And Colleen then says, you know what? I'm just not sure right now. So we end on this uh, tone of false drama. Colleen may be about to pull out of this whole thing. And we've seen this how many times with them? It just, you can't keep doing this yo-yo thing and still have the audience hanging on with any fucking credibility. I just don't care at this point. I'm hanging on. Maybe it's because you already know what happens. (laughs) I don't with them. I'm I'm now up to recent to where I stopped watching. So this is all new to me, but I have read some shit about some other players or other an other player, I should say, I suppose. But I'm going to keep you spoiler free. So because I do feel I am watching the yo-yo. I am like, is this it? Are they going to break up? We see uh, three days until wedding. We finally get this big last date that we're promised in the title for Raven and SK. They are going on a gondola ride. (laughs) I said, SK is wearing a pin with a chain on his lapel in his ITM, and it reminds me of Clues. <laughs> yeah. SK has impeccable style, so I'll take that as a compliment. Energy God style. SK Kringles flowers to Raven. ITMs were not following anyone's playbook. I love her. want her to be my wife. He tells her that he's looking forward to dates like this, like when she visits him in Berkeley, and she's like, but you have to study. He's like, I have to adopt your dreams, too. And Raven says, we love a Caesar. Eats the salad. Is it a creamy Caesar? I wrote that same question in my notes. (laughs) Good. (laughs) We're both uh, very healthy (laughs) minds. Still on our game, still sharp as ever, despite the break we took for the holidays. Yeah. Then Raven does some great colorful narration here by saying, bone apple teeth in place of Bon Appetit. I love a signature cheers like that. It's so good. SK comments Raven's goofy side, and he describes himself as a business in the front kind of guy, party in the back. She says she loves a lot of things about him, his ambition, his thoughtful articulation, his patience. They agree that relationships are about having a partner that balances you out and makes you better. And SK asks her if she's ever done any future casting about their relationship. Have they? Has she thought about what it's going to be like when they're together? And he discusses their five-year plan of having kids. She agrees with him. He wants to protect and provide for his family, good places uh, with their careers, make a lot of money, a happy, healthy relationship. He wants to show her the world. Show you the world, Aladdin style. Take her everywhere. Yeah, (laughs) he plays in Aladdin here. He plays a magic carpet. She admits that in her prior life, she was attracted to people uh, she wasn't emotionally compatible with. And there's no doubt that he's the one because he's made it this far with her in this relationship. She ITMs that she has no doubt about loving him. They have a great bond and connection and he makes her happy and comfy. A good feeling on the gondola ride. He explains that he feels great about this and he has no reason not to believe in them. If he did this again, he would still feel uh, that she believed in him. He tells her that not a lot of people have gotten into his guarded place. She loves this and they get a kiss. There's no drama here. There's nothing happening in this scene. They, in fact, are telling us shit we've already heard. Uh, SK, how many times can he say, I like a complex relationship? Raven is complex. I get it. I fully understand that. We heard it in the pods. We heard it in every episode since. I just, again, this is where this show for me, falls flat. They have a real problem weaving a dramatic narrative through any of these relationships. It just feels so fucking forced when they start to get in fights or like, oh God, maybe they'll pull out. And then in this relationship, they don't even give us that. It's like, everything's great. You're the best. I can't wait. All right. I mean, it did leave me with a couple mysteries. Number one, the gondola rider is holding a guitar the whole time. We never hear the guitar. Cut out. 
that gondola, that gondola guy probably uh, gave a performance of a lifetime trying to get a Jorge Moreno and just did not get the cut. Felt bad about that. It's part of what <laughs> docked him in my mind versus the Foxtrot feature. <laughs> you felt bad about it. You're like up at night like, God, that gondola guy, if only he would have gotten his guitar song in the episode, maybe his life would be different. Like he was like, this is finally my moment. I'll bring my nicest blue guitar. <laughs> is Dallas the Venice of the South, by the way? Look like a very romantic gondola ride. I don't know where the hell this was. I kept racking my brain. I'm like, where is that lake? We then cut to the big last date for Colleen and Matt. It's at the aquarium. And Matt asks Colleen if she swum with stingrays. And we see a stingray in this shot. It's menacing. It represents, you know, the great vast unknown that could be dangerous perhaps or maybe it's just cute and this stingray strutting its stuff through the aquarium was my (laughs) creature of the week stingray killed crocodile hunter i got some messages about this that i was confusing crocodile hunter with Crocodile Dundee or something? Yeah, I think you were. <laughs> I think those messages were accurate. <laughs> oh my God, Jake's laughing at me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize <laughs> for my lack of knowledge about these. Of crocodile celebrities. Celebrities crocodile with crocodile in their name. Uh, so anyway, they, they sit down and they're having this conversation. Wait, don't we see something before they sit down? We do see a turtle. And that was almost my creature, but not quite. Oh, never mind. <laughs> so they sit down. <laughs> this, Matt has... Medusa alarm. Wasn't that your second place creature? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a fucking Minutia alarm. Jesus Christ. I looked at your... your Creature roster. Now, I want you to go through and elaborate on creatures one through 10. Do a countdown. Matt has elaborately set up this table inside the aquarium. Of course, it's not him. It's the producer. I thought that was a cool table, cool setup. Yeah, totally. I think I've been to this aquarium. But he's got some flowers for her. He says they didn't know. He didn't know what her favorite flower is. She admits she doesn't have one. And then Matt starts the dinner by acknowledging her efforts. And he wants her to know that he's putting in the effort too. He doesn't want her to wonder where he's at emotionally in this relationship. He says they have a big decision coming up and he asks her for a precog slash future cast. Could you see the rest of your life with me? She admits that she doesn't know if shit hits the fan, if he'll still be there. This is the thing we literally just heard in the other scene. And he understands the validity of that point. He wonders if it's because he's not that good at expressing his emotion because of his PTC, which he brings up, the divorce, his uh, ex-wife cheating on him. It's hard for him to get close to someone again. And he asks her to tell him if she feels that he's not there for her right now. She says she's constantly questioning herself and them. He says they're not taking a leap of faith. If they're not there to get married, then it's off. And he asks her if she thinks love is enough for marriage. She says it should be, but she's torn with the question. Every day it's different. She says she doesn't know, but she does know how much she loves him. He tells her to stop playing games. Tell me how you feel. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. He says, say it a thousand times. And we hear the song that says, this might be toxic in the lyrics. 
which they've played before. I have the same exact note. So they are painting this man Mm -hmm. to be toxic because they're literally saying it right to us after he just kind of has gotten in her face. Mm -hmm. Tell me how you feel. Say it, Colleen. Don't play games, Colleen. (laughs) Say it, Colleen. And uh, it's kind of hard to watch. Yep. But this is where we're at with them. And this is where we've always been at with them. Again, they're stirrups. They're trying to drum up this drama that is based, but it's the same shit. It's always the same shit with them. He doesn't trust her because he got fucking hurt in his divorce. And that's the whole deal. I mean, isn't that the nature of relationships in general, though? Cyclical patterns. Yeah. All relationships are one person gets cheated on by their ex-wife who gets pregnant with the cheater and so then they yell, say it, say it, say it to everyone. <laughs> then we cut to Cole and Zana. They're eating dinner on a boat. Cole thanks God for his fiance, the Christian God, and the beauty of his creation to make the boat and the dinner all in Jesus's name. Amen. We get a, a firm Christian prayer here. Now, again, this is in the same episode, a mere three to four scenes later, after we've just had an explanation of Jewish culture as it relates to marriages and love and weddings. You can have both, Bachelor. You can have both. You can have many. You can have all various religions represented. You could do this. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's possible. And it's actually done pretty well, I think, in this. But It is possible. And in a way that's like constructive and, and shows what real relationships are like. Completely. You know, I think back only because I'm working on an article. <laughs> Not to brag. But I think back to... Hannah Brown, season 15 of The Bachelorette, historic in many ways. In one way, it was historic because of the portrayal of Christianity in that season through the lens of Luke Parker. If you'll remember, he was a very strong, early frontrunner, hyper-Christian player who professed his love level four to Hannah Brown on a group date in, I believe, episode two, while he was on stage in a, a Speedo. That took him all the way to the end of the season, basically, until he issued a kind of Christian abstinence ultimatum saying that if you have been intimate with other guys, I cannot continue this process. And it it prompted the now famous line, the iconic line. I did have sex and Jesus still loves me from Hannah Brown. But that is how they were presenting Christianity in that season versus this, where it actually seems to be a a nice piece of commonality for Cole and Zanab. It seems to be Mm -hmm. like a strength, a tradition to start their meals. It's just the presentation of the people in this season. I'm not saying Love is Blind doesn't fuck over some of their players. They definitely do. I'll recount Andrew. Fucking, they left the footage of him putting eyedropper shit in his eyes to make it look like he was crying. I mean, <laughs> and they stopped that girl from eating. Yeah. Oh, God. I know that's from last season. There's a, a, a one of the players came out and said that the producers kept her from getting food and water when she was sick in an attempt to exacerbate the illness and therefore the drama. But I I do think that Love is Blind generally treats their players better than Bachelor does. Bachelor seems to have contempt for everyone on screen at all times. I get mm-hmm. the feeling here that maybe every once in a while they try to position somebody as a villain within the context of a relationship or even potentially broadly within the context of the show. But it's not like The Bachelor. These people do seem real to some degree. They seem to be like supported in their relationship, at least to some degree. And they all have positive and shitty moments as well. Yeah, exactly. They seem like real people. 
So it's like not it's there's no one clear villain in this dynamic. There's obviously something wrong, but yeah, I mean this this relationship is is one of the most problematic ones in terms of like I just I don't understand what I'm watching here. It seems to me that they both kind of hate each other or yeah. at the very least don't want this to come to fruition. And so then you have to start asking uh why are they doing it? And then you have to start thinking for the followers very likely. Nonetheless, uh, at this dinner, we get some kissing, some LL4ing, and uh, she tells him she loves him a little more each day. He has slowly slid into husband instead of fiance for her, and he admits never having been with anyone who's as intentional or cares as much as Zainab does. And then he says he'd propose. This is a... He'd re-propose. re-propose. Sorry, this is a recog. He has already pre <laughs> Earlier in the season, he said he would propose. Now he's saying he would re-propose. And so they L4 here. And we get two days until weddings. We're back with Alexa and Brennan. They're riding on his motorcycle. They pass the Granada Theater, which I have been to, where a sign reads, mm. congrats to Alexa and Brennan. They go inside to have dinner in the theater. He L4s her. He's 100% certain he wants to marry her. He's excited to confess his love to the world. Uh, there's L4s going on. Then the screen comes up. It lights up with their story. This is a cut-down recap of their relationship. I can't, It can't be more boring. We have seen yeah. all of this shit, and now we're watching them watch it. I mean, I guess it's interesting that it's on a movie screen because they're now watching reality television as presented uh, on the silver screen as a movie, something that is slightly more prestigious, I guess, in its presentation. But nonetheless, they're watching themselves in the reality show that they're currently in. This is the snake eating its own tail, in my opinion. And I was like, we're going to have to see this flashback again when they get to the wedding day, too. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. The construction of this shit, once you get into these late phases of Love is Blind, they need some help. They, They need some ideas here. This ain't a good idea. I, Alexa was funny during this. She was. He says I was really excited for that regarding the the unblinding, and she says I was sweating like a motherfucker. And he says, "How do you think it ends?" She says she crams up her face, her eyes are wide, and she's and she purses her lips in this grimace, strutting her facial stuff. And Alexa made my face play of the game. It's gorgeous. There was so much strong face play, I will say, from almost everyone over the course of these two episodes. That, to me, was the main takeaway of these two episodes. The face play was like on another fucking level. Off planet Earth. Absolutely loved it. But when she does that crinkle, she then says, have you ever seen the movie Runaway Bride? This gets a huge fucking laugh out of him. A genuinely funny moment. She is a hilarious person. And uh, she says she doesn't know how her mind is going to be the day of he gets nervous that she might be faking it and he never thought he could relate to someone like he does with her she admits she didn't think she would be in love in this process but she is we get a kiss and a love level four we then cut to perry's steakhouse to find nancy and bartice having their i guess last dinner she admits to never having eaten a rib before it's the bone for her she says bartice feeds her her first rib that is astonishing to me as somebody from the source that you've never eaten a rib. Dallas barbecue is, uh, or Texas barbecue in general, is kind of a thing that the the whole state is known for, specifically Dallas as well, though. Big mystery there. Is she really from Dallas? I don't know. Maybe Clues is unearthed something here. <laughs> they basically are like, we picked great 
that's it. We've had tough combos, but we've grown. We cut to Cole and Zeneb's home. And I guess this is the second last dinner for them. What is this structure? We see him cooking Brussels sprouts. He does a salt bay pose. Nice little flourish. And Zeneb comes in. And they have this scene in which... He's cooking for her. She is kind of micromanaging the cooking process at like being like, why isn't there seasoning? Why aren't you using tongs? He then shoots her with a Nerf ball gun in the middle of this. After she opens his microwave to find that his microwave is his storage container for the ammunition for this Nerf gun. I mean, keep your ammunition wherever you want. This is, of course, again, the source. This is Texas, so Second Amendment rights are a big thing in Texas. And here, maybe Cole is uh, supporting that. But Is this a common storage place for ammunition? Yeah, you always put it in the microwave. No, I have no idea what was going on here. That was strange to me. The fact that he then comes out and shoots her is strange. Then, in a kind of act of submission, he hands the gun to her. We don't see her shoot him in return. But this whole thing is bizarre, and her micromanaging of him cooking the dinner is sending the message that he's trying to do something nice, but she won't allow it. She Even that, she has to like step in and take control of, and it leads to this big fight about uh, are they going to get married if they are getting in fights over who's cooking the food and how it's being cooked, and they don't know. She storms off into the parking lot, into the the night of the source and he kind of has to track her down and again it's the same argument that they keep having about how he he lets trash pile up and she leaves hairs in the toilet and how are they ever going to be able to live together and they can't get you know past 20 minutes without an argument and cole is saying uh you know he's not even assuming the right things how does anything they did in the kitchen on this date make her think she's going to say yes on a wedding day and we just get the the sense from this entire thing that this couple should not be together. Mm-hmm. At least what they're presenting in the document is arguing, arguing, arguing. Now we're okay. Arguing, arguing, arguing. Now we're okay. And I don't know exactly, like I said, they're not really presenting to me anyway, either of them as the villain or they are both the villain. It seems that they both yeah. don't like each other in the same measure to me. Yeah. <laughs> that is how it comes off to me as well. He says, I want sweet Zay. You're putting me down every day. She says, I'm extremely sweet. She says, this is our last night together. I don't think the problems we have are enough to not say yes. They're they're discussing whether they're going to say yes. And she says, I'm a great girl, catch of the century. And he says, except when you have a bad attitude, are you bipolar? And Cole throwing out the line, are you bipolar in the middle of this discussion was my error, 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 error of the game. I don't know if this is some sort of inside joke between them about switching attitudes or something, but just this question very much struck me as a person who doesn't know this game well, doesn't know the dating game shows well, knows not to, who would know to not insinuate 
mental illness or portray it in a negative light. Especially at the moment we're in now in American culture, where it does feel like that pendulum is swinging. The taboo about talking about mental health, about dealing with it, seems to be going the mm -hmm. other way. And I think that it is accepted now to be able to talk about it. So to use this as an insult, to make fun of it, if yeah. it is not true, he's saying like joking that she has fucking bipolar, that's mm -hmm. bad. If she really is bipolar and he's using it as a means to attack her actual persona, that's even worse. There's nothing good that comes out of this. I totally agree with you. Uh, a very, very bad play was not my error of the game, though. We'll get to that a little bit later, but I agree with you. Terrible play, but it's so bad that it, it uh, prompts, as I was saying earlier, she storms off into the night and uh, Cole then goes to the refrigerator, immediately cracks a beer as she's walking out. And the final shot of this episode, real good, real nice. It's gorgeous. <laughs> I made a note of this shot as well. <laughs> we see Cole in the background, sad on the couch. <laughs> And then in the foreground, we see the uneaten sweet potato fries <laughs> in the foreground. It's such a beautiful image. And they close out this episode on it and start the next one with it. And I got to say, you know, as much as I'm shitting on uh, the producers for the sloppy construction of these past two episodes, that fucking shot was like, they get it. These, these producers yeah. are fucking slick. That's <laughs> such a good shot. Or maybe it was the camera <laughs> operator who just was like, I got to get this fucking thing. I don't know. I don't know who set that shot up. Whoever fucking did it. That person gets a raise. That person should be in charge of more things on your program, in my opinion. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 10 is titled Approaching the Altar. So we're like, okay, we're starting. We're getting ready for some I do's or I don'ts. And we open on the same sad shot of Cole and the uneaten fries. He chases Zenab outside. She says, please stop being an asshole. He says... I'm not. You didn't have to walk away. And she ITMs. I was sharing emotions. It came down to me being bipolar. It's unfortunate to be in this place the night before the wedding. Yes, it is. God, I know. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they, do you think it's like that? They? I don't. I don't know. I, I guess it is the forty, for, quote unquote, forty wrness of it that they're staying in this. But I'm just like, I think. I, I, I mean. I, again, I don't want to spoil anything for you about this season, but let's look at past seasons of this. You know, there are some couples who have come out of it and, and are still together, or maybe one. Mm -hmm. How many couples are still together of this? I don't know. All I know is Lauren Speed. All I know social is media Speed. superstar <laughs> and who whatever that guy is she's married to, Cameron something. Uh I don't know if anybody out of season two is still together, but there are people, I believe, that enter this program thinking maybe it will work out because it did in season one. And if it doesn't, maybe I'll get some social media following. But I think at a certain point, if you're in the game and you've made it to a proposal and you're in that second piece of the format of the show, the second half of it, you're trying to hang on as long as you can. Because now it really is only about Instagram followers. If you're not uh, you know, in a relationship, if like with Cole and Zeynep, I don't know how it works out, but it feels like they both know this ain't going to last. And they're just trying to hang on to get to the wedding. So one of them can say, <laughs> I'm not into this fucking thing just to see how many Instagram followers they can get. Cause once you're at this point, like let's say in this conversation, they walk out, let's say Zanab is like, I'm gone and that's it. That's the end of their story. We don't see them again. Or do mm -hmm. we get to, you know, do they want to be in it for two or three more episodes and come back for the fucking after party and all that shit? 
it feels right. very much to me like they're in this just to be in this still. But nonetheless. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy. .co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about one Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And One Skin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. Y you got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and my, um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no rollback waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, MeUndies. 
But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies. Comfort from the outside in. They continue this conversation. Zanup says she feels like he's done and she doesn't have hope. And they each kind of want to have the other person break up. That's what it feels like. They're both kind of trying to force the other person to like make the breakup action so that the other one can be victimized. He says that he loves their good moments and wonders why they fight. He doesn't even know whether what they're fighting about anymore. Neither do I. She says she doesn't want to have to convince him to marry her. He envisions himself marrying her. He says that's his best case scenario. She doesn't know how they got there after the good dance lessons and the sailboat moments that we saw <laughs> in the prior episode. And then Cole uh-huh. takes it upon himself to say it's nobody's fault. She offers to sleep somewhere else that night. He says he doesn't want that. And he says, let's prove to each other that we want this. If they're going to be married in a few days, they have to talk about everything. There's a large part of him that wants to marry her. A very large part, he says. And he love level fours her. Mm. <laughs> and he says uh, he, he loves her, but he also hates her a little bit, he says. Never the thing you should say again on the night before your wedding. But a bigger part of him loves her. We get some more love level fours, some kisses, some apologies. And uh, we get an upbeat score as they reaffirm their desire to marry one another in the titles play. So I don't know if this is a an Aaron Clancy, Genevieve Parisi style manufactured fight, a yo-yo effect, will they or won't they? Or if this is really a fight they're having. I have no fucking idea. But it's resolved, I guess, at the end of this scene. <sighs> it feels like it's real fights, but they're never actually resolving it. Yeah. And so they just keep having the same like type of argument. Like they've been arguing about the towels since the honeymoon. That was an issue. Yes, exactly. Towels, leaving towels on the floor. How many times can you have that fucking argument? And this is on the producers, by the way. This is not them. They can have that argument (laughs) fucking every day. The producers choose to put it in every episode. Give it to me once. Fine. Then you got to find a new argument. I can't watch... The same two people arguing about fucking towels on the floor in five successive episodes. I I simply didn't care the first time and I care less each successive time. I care. Oh, all right. It works. You're like, I love a good towel argument. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's like the fighting feels real to me. I think it's part of my like sick fascination with these shows. One day until wedding Chiron, we get the bachelorette party. All of the lady players meet up. There's a bride squad banner on the chip table. Nancy Item, she's going to get litty titty with her girls, wrap up their single lives. And we see two men in bathing suits providing shots. And they have bow ties around their necks. And a couple things happen here. One is Raven spots these uh, male strippers coming in to serve the drinks. And we see from her a faceplate that involves full eye and mouth aperture. And it was almost my faceplate of the game. Not oh, my quite. God. <laughs> I just okay. want to give it notice because there were so many good faceplates. <laughs> she had so many of them. But one male stripper comes over and uses what I perceive to be a fake British accent to deliver their shots. <laughs> and this high level of quality play by this male stripper 
made him my Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. This guy accepted an offer from whoever, whatever producer calls up, whatever male stripper service says, we need two guys to come serve shots it's for a reality show. Great. This motherfucker's like, I'm going to put on my fake British accent. Let's get this. I love it. I think it's an homage to what's her face, Brie from Colton Underwood season. Put on a fake Australian accent yeah, for her limo sure. exit. I'll go with that. Uh, we cut to the guy's version. They are going to a saloon and a rodeo. Brennan apparently makes them all taut in cowboy hats. And we see a horse bucking a cowboy off as the start of this rodeo. And there's a goal to try to stay on for eight seconds, but we don't see them actually rodeoing. No, I don't believe any of the guys from the show should be rodeoing. I think that's a legit professional sport that requires a lot of training and practice. But what we do get to see mm. them do is something else, something a little less dangerous. They compete in a calf scramble. A bunch of little calves are ushered out into the arena and they have these ribbons around their neck and our guy players are made to chase them down and get these ribbons. And these calves were strutting their stuff. One specifically gives a head fake to Bartise and almost causes him to fall on the ground. And that calf that head faked Bartise into almost falling on the ground was my... <laughs> Creature of the week. This calf basically said, who are these guys? Some reality stars? They're the stars of your dumb dating show? Watch this. I'm going to make one of them eat shit. Boom. <laughs> that calf took center stage. Did Knew exactly what to do with his screen time. Absolutely loved it. SK here refuses to participate in the calf scramble. He's above it. I loved that move too. A very, very strong power play. <laughs> You know who does not protest is Cole. He gets a necklace from one of the calves and immediately rips his own shirt off. Uh, he's like, we're not going to the strip club. I Bring the strip club to me. I am the strip club. And he ITMs. He feels like Leonidas slayed it. And we cut back to the bachelorette party. The bow tie man says, I'm not a stripper. We're exotic dancers. And then we see the women are talking about, you know, are what where their connections are at. Nancy thinks she knows Bartise's answer. Th this scene was just uh, a disaster. It's very much forced by producers. This is not a natural conversation. This is very much like uh, what we saw in Bachelorette 19 when Gabby, Wendy, and Rachel Recchio were like forced to sit down and be like, so what guys do you like? How are you feeling about this relationship? This is the exact same thing. It's just kind of check in to see what the fuck's going on. While a lizard steals their food. Yeah. <laughs> there were no lizards here, though. It wasn't even that interesting. It was just all of them talking about all the same shit we've seen. The most interesting thing that comes out of it is Alexa kind of uh, dishes some shit about Cole. She says, look, I don't mean to be an asshole, but we can all agree Cole is a cute little boy, but you're so much greater than him. <laughs> and she tells them 
that uh, Zainab then tells him that he had the nerve to ask if she was bipolar at the dinner table, gets a big laugh out of everybody. They have a good time. And uh, she's proud of the massive changes in him. She says, this is the best love experience ever. So even as she's telling them all, he called me bipolar and Alexa is saying he's a piece of shit. His family followed me on Instagram, won't FaceTime me. <laughs> yeah, all of that. We're we're getting these things that we already kind of knew about. But even at the end of that, she's like, no, this is the best experience ever. It seems like she's still on track. And she ITM's not being exactly where she wants to be. Uh, but she has a man she loves and she thinks he might love her too. She's excited to get married. Single Zainab has had a great run and it's ready to be wifed up. So even despite this, she's saying all this shit that's like reasons she doesn't want to get married to him. And then she's like, but I'm going to get married to him. It, even in the construction of the edit, it just, it makes no sense. They they have trouble here, I feel like. I don't know. I don't know what is going on here. We cut to, they're on a party bus cable car and... Zenith by TMs, it's the last chance to see a baby oiled cowboy. But Cole doesn't want me to look at them or touch them. Uh, but she's clearly like drunk. And she was like, I was told not to touch dancing. And we cut back to the bachelor party. Well, if I may, if mm -hmm. I may, let's just take a brief moment here to examine what is this. Essentially, it functions as a group date for the, the women going to the strip club. A, the presentation of the male strippers. There are, I don't know how many shots of just giant dicks in profile thrusting into the camera. And this is something you're not going to get on network TV. You would never get anything remotely like this on Bachelor, even back in the fucking boob zone days. Nothing like this. I mean, these are just like a shot of a dick. I mean, the boob zone we saw, there were zooms on tits and asses. Not like this. These are... I mean, this shit was almost pornographic, in my opinion. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying streaming can do shit you can't do on network. That said, what you're talking about when Zainab is talking about how Cole doesn't want her touching the guys. We also know Matt will probably have an issue with this, being that he was cheated on and he's already had an issue with Colleen going out to a club and not coming home at 2 a.m. And, and the guys aren't going to a strip club. The guys went to a fucking rodeo to wrestle cows. This is a choice by the producers, I believe, to try and drum up drama, to try and get some of the guys pissed off that their fiancés were out like getting drunk, having dicks rubbed on them. That said, either it worked and we don't get to see those dramatic things play out or more probably it didn't work at all. So this attempt by the producers to drum up some kind of last minute drama, I believe that's what this strip club thing was, just doesn't work. They need to figure out something else. I mean, it was an interesting scene. It's funny, but they keep dipping back into it so much. What we what we see now for the next probably 20 or 30 minutes are these cross cuts from the guys at this bar talking with their friends all drunk about whether they love or they don't love and the women having the dicks in their face and throwing the money and having a good time at the strip club. We just keep going back and forth between them, building no new information, no new drama. It's like, I get it. I liked it. I disagree. I think there's not enough scenes of women partying with each other, just having a grand old time in a way that like, you know, a strip club before the wedding, that's generally thought of as like a bachelor party thing. So I like to see this and especially Nancy at the strip club, just living her best life. Yeah, they were hilarious. Like, I, I really, I enjoyed it too. It was a fun scene, 
but I think they could have condensed it into one scene and not cross cut back to it a million times. There's just mm-hmm. like, there's a narrative problem in this show toward the end, specifically here. It's like, how much of this do we need to see? Show me the funny shit they're saying and move on. Next scene. But they don't have a next scene. So they've got to keep coming back to it. This is this is like all they got. Yeah, I wonder if maybe the Cole Zenob thing will come up later because they really cut between him saying, we've got, we're going to, I love her, we're talking and praying to do, and then they cut back to the strip club. And Raven doing this open mouth face play is very good. It was almost my face play of the game, but she delivers it a little bit later in another one of these cutbacks. We we cut back to the strip club. We see Raven doing the wide mouth face play. Alexa is drunk, ITMing that she and Brennan are the best. She feels bad for everyone. We cut back to the guys at the bar. Brennan's telling SK and his friend uh, Damien that he and Alexa haven't had any troubles. They're still in the honeymoon phase and Brennan is so drunk, his hair is disheveled. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, we have to talk about Brennan's hair here. <laughs> yeah, this was, I wrote down in my notes, this was my first HPO TG hair play of the game. He's so drunk that his <laughs> there's like pieces of hair are flying off this way and that way. He's completely unaware. It looks like <laughs> straw. I wrote it's wet and long. I don't know. <laughs> it looks <Yeah>. so crazy. <laughs> we see oh Colleen gets the name of uh the person who gives her lap dance, Romeo. We cut back to Matt saying it's literally marriage. Uh, I love this girl. Absolute sweetheart. And he's talking with his boy, Reed. This is a source boy. We saw him earlier here. Mm. This is a source boy without a backwards baseball cap. Nonetheless, he's playing a good, dutiful source boy here. He's basically telling Matt, look, you love this girl. You got fucked over in your last relationship. You can't let that be the specter over any future relationship. If she brings you happiness, you deserve that. Don't talk yourself out of something because of past experience you went through for you went through all this for a reason. You're going to marry her. Be happy with her. Meanwhile, back at the strip club, more dicks are gyrating and we see Raven sitting there by herself, watching it all, taking it all in while she's wearing a pair of giant sunglasses with a bejeweled phrase bride to be right in the center of the forehead. Her eyes are at full aperture, mouth at full aperture. She is reprising her first reaction to the strippers who delivered their shots at the beginning of the bachelor party. And this was my face play of the game. Raven is not disappointing with any face play this season. This is one of her strongest single face plays. The addition of the prop, the bride to be sunglasses, uh, exquisite work here, Raven. Thank you very much. Oh my God, I'm looking at it now. It's perfect. Looks <laughs> it's exquisite. Uh, we cut back to SK talking how much he loves Raven with his brother. His brother gives him a glow. We're all for it. We cut back to <laughs> Nancy ITMing. I I want Bartise. I don't want a stranger dancing with a dick in my face, even though she is. She was seem spanking to be them. It. We saw her literally was, spanking yeah, the fucking spanking. strippers. <laughs> uh, we see Bartise talking to his own source boys, saying he loves the girl more than any, any girl before. But the family had a negative reaction. But I'll show my family how much I love her. This shit's so fucking real, dude. And we see one of the. Uh, 
dancers, servers, brings a sparkling bottle to the ladies. And then we see all of this footage, B-roll footage of the source. It is Raven and SK's wedding day, finally. And Raven ITM, she's ready to say yes, believes love is blind, praising the process. SK is the only person who made me produce tears in the pods. And then we see long flashbacks of their love story. SK gets ready with his people. He ITMs. He feels like he has a treasure again. I love when he when he talks like that about his treasure. Uh, <laughs> and his brother says, never seen you so happy. Another bro glow. And it's, this is where we start to see how they're going to construct the end of a season. You're going to get the bride showing up and going into her bridal ready room. You're going to get the groom showing up and going into his groom ready room. The bride's going to have some friends, some family members. So is the groom. And they're going to say all the same shit they've said. You're going to have some, we'll find out, some minor uh, ability to play a final play here. But primarily, it's nothing. You're going to get these recaps of like everything they've done over the course of the season in a video that just eats up fucking screen time. And you're just going to see them having the same boring conversations with their friends and family about whether or not they're going to do it. Um, I, I don't know. This shit falls flat to me. It's just a bunch of ITMs about them talking about how they want the fairy tale or not. Raven produces some tears to her friends at a certain point. They all tell her they love her and they're here to support her through the crazy things she does. This is one for the record books. She praises them for having judgment-free relationships and they all agree they would hide a body for her. And then she ITMs that she knows they made a good decision, but she doesn't know what he's going to say. No new information here. SK is getting dressed in his traditional Nigerian garb. He ITMs that his outfit is traditional. Important to show off his full regalia. Putting this outfit on made it real for him. Uh, SK's mom shows up, which I did like. She comes in with a big smile. She, for me, was like a standout this season. I absolutely loved her. And she and SK talk about uh, wanting his dad to be there, but they know that dad is looking down on him. And his mom says it's a nice thing to do for her (laughs) that he's getting married. And they just go around about how he loves Raven in an unexpected way and met her in an unexpected way. And he tells her that he wasn't scared until right now. And then his mom tells him that it's normal to be scared. Again, it's just this, there's not a lot going on here. I like seeing his mom on screen, but there's, it's just like, yeah, this is great. Everything's going to be good. We see a ring shot, some candles. Raven puts on her dress with the friends and this, this dress, if I may, this is one of the worst things this show does. They don't know what to do with these wedding dresses. They are trying to present this moment as like a, a reveal of now you get to see the bride in a wedding dress. Well, we've already seen that. We had a whole half episode where all of the brides-to-be were trying on the wedding dresses. So there is no reveal. You've already undercut that. And the way they're shooting this is bad. This should be a fucking hero shot. This should be two closed doors. The camera is facing them directly like a Stanley Kubrick fucking frame. The doors should open. They should be slightly backlit. This should be a hero shot. We want to see the bride in the dress like a fucking superhero. We get none of that ever. And it's such a simple thing to do. I don't know why they don't do it. It makes no sense to me. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. 
This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. We see SK's mom visit Raven as well, you know, kind of filling in for Raven's mom as Raven's mom's not there. And she says, be patient, trust each other, love each other. I'm like, I want her to be there on my wedding day to give me this kind of encouragement. She's fucking great. (laughs) And she thanks uh, SK's mom for letting her marry her son and... Someone, maybe SK's friend, says, game time, baby. Let's go. We see the wedding. A man plays a drum. SK mom tells SK, let your mind be cool. (laughs) And Raven ITMs, we need a medic on standby. Raven walks down the aisle. We see mom tears from SK's mom. SK tells her, you make me feel like a champion. Raven produces tears. He says, you're my biggest prize. This incredible, you fell in love with your mind first, but you're this incredible beauty. She says, you're so thoughtful, kind, love you more every day. Couldn't imagine without you. And SK says, finally, I do not. Today we know how we feel about each other. I love you, but today's not the best time for us to do this. Love level four. Or even love level four is back, produces tears. Bronzoff says she's going to fix her makeup. And we get this weird off-base line, what's wrong with me? I never want to have another wedding. I don't know if that was real or not, but SK's uttering of the phrase, I do not, and rejecting the entire idea of the show was my error, 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 error of the game. Whether you're going to do it or not, to say it there, to get to the final phase and say no, it, it falls flat. They gave us no indication throughout this entire show that this would be the case. This is something of a mystery. I don't know why he did this. Other than what he said, I guess it's not the right time, but obviously they're never going to see each other again. I also want to take issue with, if I may, the fact that 
none of the other couples are present at this wedding. All of the couples should have to be in the audience front row for all of the other weddings. We want to see their reaction. I don't give a fuck about seeing 50 people that I've never seen before reacting to this wedding. I don't know who they are other than like a a mom and a dad. At this point, they say that they've divided them. They've divided all the couples. They're not allowed to see their other partner. How would you... You would put them in like the girls go on this side, the guys go on this side? No, you just do them in in different days. You give each couple its own day and you have Cole and Zanab sitting front row in a... No, but I mean, they're trying to keep the couples apart. For what reason? You don't want the couples together in the audience. I mean, I think it's so that they have more of a mystery. They're like, I don't know what the other person's going to do. I haven't seen him in two days. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I just like, I wanted to see some of the other couples' reactions to SK saying, I do not want to marry you. That would have been more interesting to me than seeing like, I guess his mom was really the only person in the audience I gave a shit about. Even Raven's friends, I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. But I did find it interesting that the officiant is required to say, it is now time to decide if love is blind. The officiant must say the title of the show as the final line (laughs) of the fucking wedding ceremony. I found that very good. But ultimately, SK's mom is disappointed. Her friends are shocked. Raven's friends are shocked. And SK tells her that, uh, you know, this just isn't the right time. And we see the sad piano score kicks in and Raven picks up an umbrella and walks by herself into the rain, into the outdoors of the source where it's raining. And SK explains to his mom that today just wasn't the right day. His friends and brothers have his back. And SK ITMs that he loves her. and he, He knows she's mad, but he would feel bad and guilty to continue on in a marriage with her when there are so many other unanswered questions. It's not just the long distance. It's about her not moving to California and the family issues. And uh, he's thought about the risk of losing her forever. And as sad as that is, he'd rather lose her than be in a relationship where he felt a lot of shortcomings every day. Raven then ITMs that she's not a perfect Nigerian bride. They've established that. That's not who she is. And then SK's mom comes in to console Raven, just doing the most work. STCO times 100. Raven is like kind of laughing through these tears. I think she probably didn't want to have this marriage either. I think they might have even discussed like, let's just go to the end and I'll say no. Well, she says I was planning on saying yesterday, which I love. She's getting that in there. A fantastic play to be sure. I mean, that was almost my play of the game because Mm -hmm. what you really want to do in this game, if the marriage doesn't go, If somebody says, I will not marry you, you don't want to be that person. You want to be the person who gets rejected, not the rejector, because that victimizes you and you're going to fucking blow up on social media. And potentially even, I'm sure they're already talking about having a kind of uh, all-star version of this show where they bring back people who were on it prior. Now, I don't know how that would work with the not being able to see them because you'd know who they were and what they look like. Maybe they get to disguise their voice or something. Hello. I can't tell you my name. I was on a prior season of this show. At any rate. I mean, I could definitely see Andrew being in the next season. (laughs) God, I hope so. The only forgotten who I didn't forget. (laughs) We cut to Nancy and Bartice's wedding day. Nancy ITM, she wouldn't have dated Bartice. Normally, he's so young, but she could be the next Mrs. Bowden. We see flashbacks of their relationship and the hard abortion conversation with the family. Bartice ITMs, his biggest hope is the fairy tale to continue. He plays pool with his source boys, and he's comfortable telling them how much he loves this girl. 
We see Nancy with her mom and friends. The mom says, are you nervous? I am. <laughs> and she d- did some good face play. I love her mom, too. All the moms in this are, are pretty fucking good. I got to say. Partiz asked his friend to make a speech at the reception with no prep time. I thought that was rude. <laughs> and... <laughs> I need months to prepare a wedding speech. He says, I found out that the ex was involved with two houses. The family meeting was a mess. Uh, We see Nancy's mom produce tears, says, you have my blessing, phone call away. At this point, when, when we cut back to Nancy and her mom, Nancy's now just in her dress, just standing there talking to her mom. We get no fucking even attempt at a hero shot here. I love you're now appreciating fashion. You're like, we didn't get the full hero shot of the dress. It's great. It's not even just about the fashion. It's that you are building a show here. The narrative is you're building these two strangers who agree to get married before seeing one another. You're building them into a fucking wedding. The ultimate symbol of a wedding is the wedding dress. That is the culmination of everything that a bride goes through is to put on that dress, walk down that fucking aisle and have that shot. The first time we see these brides or potential brides, whatever you want to call them, some of them don't wind up being brides, but the first time we see them in the wedding dress, that wedding dress has got to be on display and it's not, it's thrown away in every case when they're trying on the wedding dresses that aren't properly tailored at that moment, it's a throwaway. When we see them for the first time in the real tailored versions with hair and makeup thrown away. I don't even think she's in a a full face fronting shot in this scene when we first see her in the wedding dress. I think it's just like a kind of side silhouette as she's talking to her mom. And you're like, oh, I guess she's in the wedding dress now. It's a waste. It's an absolute waste. It it just is like, it's such a simple thing to do that I think would make this show so much fucking better, or at least these moments in the show. Well, I loved this moment. Nancy's mom is in tears, gives her blessing. We have a moment with the dad and stepmom. And Bartis gets this letter in his groom's prepare room. Baby cakes, nothing I would change because I got to experience this with you. It's from Nancy. Loved you in the pods. Together we can take over the world. And Bartis says it's all the gifts from our story. This lint roller. And this Kringle by Nancy that created a stronger victim storyline if Barty says no, which makes him go through all their memories together and produce tears for the first time in front of his friends ever, was my... Play, 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 play of the game. This package of multivitamins, lint rollers... What was it? Advil, protein bars are in it. There's a bunch of weird shit in it. Fresh toothpaste. <laughs> this grab bag of strange items given to Bartise <laughs> by Nancy was also my play, 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 play of the game. This is high level shit. Bartise doesn't even yeah. know you can do this. No one does. No, his Kringle looks so shitty compared to her. He just gives her a shot. Yeah, his Kringle was absolute bullshit. She put him to shame here. She put everybody to fucking shame. And she did exactly what you're saying. She made her case air fucking tight. I'm in this. 
I gave you this fucking present. If you say no to me now, you are a fucking monster. Brilliantly played. Well executed. Absolutely loved it. And his friends are impressed by the gift, too. They're like, that's a great person for you that'll take care of you. And She's already taking care of you, man. She loves you. And he runs to the bathroom. He says, you'll never see me cry. Fuck this shit. And we see a producer on camera. B, talk to me. He says, I love that girl. She loves me. It feels so big. The whole experiment, the little stuff is coming back. The good and bad is what we remember. The day-to-day, I'm focusing, so focused on getting through the negatives. Uh, what a fucking great girl she is. Produces tears. We still don't know <laughs> what what this means. And he delivers Nancy a shot. Let's do the damn thing. Kufrin style. That's what I wrote as well. Reference to the only tropical royale in Bachelor history, Becca Kufrin. We don't know. But Bartista's dad comes to congratulate him and ask him how things are going. And Bartista explains the small gift she gave him, which reminded him of who she is and why she loves him. As he explains them, we see that the protein bars on the table have been opened. And at least one of these bars has been consumed by Bartiste. We don't know. Maybe one of his source boys <laughs> got a little hungry as they were playing pool. I don't know. Okay, where are we going? <laughs> Minutia. I'll call the Minutia alarm on myself. Bartice <laughs> ITMs feeling like today was a sped up version of their journey together. He doesn't want it to end yet. Sir? Yeah. This is a Wendy's? It's not a Wendy's. It isn't. A, that doesn't fit here. I Look, I will accept that sometimes I go into the Minutia. Sometimes I go into the Minutia fields and I don't come home until I have a full harvest. The power bar wrapper. Okay. Uh... <laughs> I noticed it. Somebody ate one of those fucking bars. He does a good drama line here. He says, today was a sped up version of Nancy, my journey. Uh, One word I say up there will end it. And one word. One word will end it. And one will make it forever. And then we cut to a mariachi band uh, playing outside this little mansion. As the guests are filing in, we see Bartiz's dad and sister in the audience. Uh, We see his mom walks him in and says she was proud of him from the second he was born. Mom tears are produced here, and uh, now he's here about to make a life choice. She's going to support him no matter what he decides. She loves him to the moon. She walks him down the aisle. Nancy's mom then is in the audience with her skeptical brother. I saw that dude sitting there still looking skeptical as shit. He doesn't want to be there. He's like, okay, this motherfucker better say yes. You can see it in his face. It's so fucking funny. (laughs) But Bartiz comes to stand at the altar. All the groomsmen and bridesmaids file in, and Bartiz thanks everybody for being there. Nancy then gets ready with her dad. Uh, She says she knows this isn't a traditional thing to do. He walks in with her, giving a big thumbs up to everybody. And Bartiz sees her, tears up immediately. Nancy's mom produces more tears. And Nancy's dad says, I hand her off to you now. Everybody's seated and the officiant starts up. Once again, goes through a whole thing about uh, how in love they are, blah, 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 blah. And again, it's now we find out. If love is blind, the officiant once again required to say the title of the show in the fucking marriage. I love that. That to me is like such strong branding. They're going to say it every time. Absolute genius uh, marketing, in my opinion. Well, you got to have the one official line where you know what whether it goes one direction or the other. Because like the wedding ceremony with the vows and stuff, that can be confusing. You're like, wait, so when are you picking? And yeah. Uh, and we get Nancy's vows. I fell in love with your kindness and your energy. You radiated through a wall. This journey has been amazing because I have you by my side. Great speech. Bartiste, they'll never understand what we went through. We fell in love. I've already won. I'm happy about that, baby. 
And we get an I do from Nancy. Love level for our new I want you in my life. And then cliffhanger. And we don't know what Bartice's answer is. This is a great cliffhanger. Mm. Um, you know, I do think that they constructed this properly at the very least. It very much makes you want to be like, well, fuck, I can watch five minutes of the next episode <laughs> to figure out if, if he says yes or not. And then, of course, you're sucked into the whole thing. So they at least in these uh, weddings will have that ability to cliffhang. And I think that's fantastic. But I definitely am not looking forward to the next episode to watch three or four more couples have the guy show up and then the woman show up and then the bridesmaid show up and then the source board show up. And then, yeah, I, I just don't care. Like you, I could boil down the end of this season into a 10 minute clip of like, did they get married? Yes or no. Did they get married? Yes or no. Did they? That's all that I really give a fuck about this point. I mean, I think they can boil it down too. They're putting such long flashbacks in this. And that is again, what I'm saying. They have some construction issues at the end of the season. I don't know if they'll ever iron those out or not because the show's like so successful on Netflix. It's like, it doesn't matter. They can just keep shitting out the same thing. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I have as big problems with it as you do. I, I very much enjoy the like real scenes and the awkwardness Mm -hmm. and the. It's just like the, the narrative drama of it winds down the longer the season progresses in the show. Whereas in bachelor, it amps up. Like the further you get, the crazier it gets. In this, it it's the opposite. You think they should build up to these cliffhangers more of like, we know what one person's going to say, but not the other one? Or maybe even potentially like, I know it would be difficult to do, but maybe there's a way to tell one story at a time. So like the first two episodes are one couple meeting in the pods all the way through their wedding, so on and so forth. Uh, it It muddies up a little bit when the couples finally meet each other. And they have like the conversations that Cole had with Colleen and all that shit makes that harder to do. But there's there's a way to construct this show that is better than what they're doing. I'm I'm sure of it. At any rate, who was your MVP for these two episodes? For her perfect setup of her own victimization edit for her wedding day Kringle that outshone them all. Nancy was my... M M M M V P. I mean, she's gotten my MVP a ton this season. I think she's one of the strongest players, and I don't. We don't really know exactly what is going to happen with this, but either way, I think she has set herself up, whether she gets married or dumped. Who is yours? Look, I agree with you. She's a fantastic player making fantastic plays. However, for me, there was another player that earned my award. This week, Raven Ross was my MMMMMVP. She delivered face play on a level that no one could touch. And she delivered it multiple times. I had trouble mm-hmm. deciding which of her face plays I was going to give my face play the game to. She goes all the way in this wedding, befriending SK's mother, befriending his family, getting her friends to be on board with this whole fucking crazy thing. Then when he dumps her, 
She comes back and says, I would have said yes. The wherewithal to put that in a fucking ITM, knowing the producers are going to use it so that you are absolved. You are fucking out of this clean as shit. The only thing she's walking out of this show with, other than maybe some manufactured heartbreak, is 793,000 Instagram followers. And that <laughs> is fucking great. I, I scrolled through her Instagram the other day. It's all Spawn Con, baby. Her YouTube's blowing up like she Let's fucking go. did it. Absolutely loved her this season. Congratulations to Raven. Uh, looking forward to whatever she does next. If she appears on another reality show, perhaps the all-star version of Love is Blind. I'm not sure. But she walked away with my MVP this week. Uh, stellar play. Stellar play top to bottom. Loved her all season. Thank you, Raven, for your service. Thank you, Raven. I also think you're one of the strongest players of this season. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wraps up our recap of episodes 9 and 10 of Love is Blind Season 3. We hope you have enjoyed this. Thank you for coming on this ride with us again next Tuesday. We're going to have the final recap of the last episodes of Love is Blind Season 3. Then the week after that, we're right into, again... Uh, going through the social media analysis of all the incoming rookies of Bachelor Season 27 that's going to start airing January 23rd. We hope you'll join us for that. And before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been 7,589 days without an Asian Bachelor. Praise be Dark Lord's Lachey. <laughs> rate this podcast please review this podcast please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast please review this podcast please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. 